We're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I'm so excited about this. It's so, um, to talk about the Holy Spirit, there's so, it's so vast, but my heart in this, how can I say this? My heart in this is that you would see what the Word of God really, really says about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is an experience subsequent to salvation. The Holy Spirit, when you got saved, the whole, when you accepted Christ, the Holy Spirit came into the inside of you, took out your spirit man that was dead and separated from God, put a brand new spirit in you, took up eternal residency on the inside of you. If you are born again today, you are in Christ. The definition of that means the Holy Spirit is in you, right? He will be there forever. Even when we go to heaven, he will always be in us. He will always be with us, right? The Bible talks about that experience over and over in the New Testament. Every time it's talking about conversion, it says that it's like a well inside of you, okay? And, and I'm telling you, it's wonderful. You're made brand new. He sheds the love of God abroad in your heart. So your spirit man is saturated with the agape, unconditional love of God. It's amazing. You're able to love the unlovable. You're able to, you know, sometimes that's you, right? Sometimes, I mean, we have trouble sometimes, don't we? But I mean, it just changes your life. But Jesus said, listen, guys, now all these guys were born again. In that 40-day period after he rose from the dead, at one point it, you could see where it says he breathed on them. We're going to look at these scriptures. And it was like the Greek word means he, he breathed on them, inflated. It, it literally means to inflate like a balloon. He breathed on them and then he said, receive the Holy Ghost. And that means instantly receive it right now. Grab hold of it. But when it talks about the baptism... It always talks about the Holy Spirit coming upon you. And we're going to talk today, we're going to go into this more. Because remember, I said this, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is not an option. Jesus commanded us. He commanded his disciples, listen, don't leave Jerusalem. You go there until you be endued with power upon, from on high. We're going to look at this word endued. It literally means to be clothed with the very power of God. And that is all over the New Testament, right? And it was after that point that they went out and the church age exploded, right? So that is always, the baptism is always the Holy Spirit coming upon you, but it always, whenever it, uh, whenever it shows what that, or, or describes that, it always describes the baptism of the Holy Spirit as rivers of living water, right? So let's look at this. You guys ready? Now remember, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not something just that you have. It's something that you use, right? It's not just a one-time deal. It's an ongoing event. So you receive, you're baptized once, and then as you walk through your life, the Bible says that you're to be being filled. So one baptism, but many, many fillings, okay? And we're going to see this very clearly in the Word of God. Sometimes I laugh 
whenever I teach on this because my whole life, I mean, it's amazing. Uh, I, I walk with the Holy Spirit every year or every day of my life, every minute of my life. I trust and rely on him for revelation knowledge. He strengthens me. He comforts me. He, he does everything, right? He doesn't do things for you. He does everything with you. And it's really amazing because I think about the way I grew up. I grew up in a mainline denomination, and, and literally we were taught that all that was done away with when the last disciple died, and actually all this tongue stuff and this thing we call the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, that's all of the devil, you know? And, uh, and, and I still, I, I have friends that are pastors, and, uh, you know, we, there's so much more we talk about, but when we talk about, I, I'm thinking of one pastor uh, he pastors a couple campuses in a mainline denomination here in town. He's just this gifted, you know, I don't know, all these pastors, all these ministers that they could preach and sing. I didn't get the singing part. I got the joyful noise part, you know, keep a microphone. That's why I love sitting in the front row. I think one time the sound guy, right, left me on, and I literally said, What's that? And then I realized, oh, that's me. They didn't shut me off, right? But you know, I remember one time, uh, you remember this, we were sitting in our living room, we had dinner with them, and we were talking, and here's his wife. His wife is like, on a scale of one to 10, her desire to be baptized in the Holy Spirit was about a 400. And her husband's like, he's just really just, you know, I just don't see it that way. And I'm thinking to myself, she's like, man, I've just begged the Holy Spirit to baptize me, but I've never received it. And I'm thinking to myself, I could spend two minutes with you and change all of that, right? But anyway, it just, it's just so funny where people come from. You're going to see by the end of this series how this is all over the book. This is all over the New Testament. So let's dive into this a little bit. There are three words that you must know. They're central to the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Three words. You're going to see them all through the Bible, all through the New Testament. These three words are central to everything that the Holy Spirit will do in our lives. The first word is into. His work and his ministry into the Holy Spirit's work into us or in us. That's salvation. That's conversion. When we were born again. It's a preposition. You'll always see this. The second word is upon. It's a Greek word, epi. It's upon. It's the Holy Spirit's work and ministry upon us. Okay, that's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The third word is filled. Filled. So, in other words, the Holy Spirit comes into us, he comes upon us, and he fills us. Okay? We're going to make this real simple. So go in your Bibles to John chapter 20, in verse 22. John 20, 22, it says this. Now, this is Jesus talking. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. 
Remember, we just talked about this. This Greek word means to inflate. Uh, you, it gives you the picture. It's, it'd be like we, we have in modern day to inflate like a balloon. And then, and after he breathed on them, he saith unto them, receive. In other words, take this very instant, receive what I've just breathed into you. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. This is the work of conversion. This is when the disciples got saved. All of them were there except Thomas, or, or you know, the 12. Actually, it would have been the 11 because Judas would have killed himself already, the one who betrayed Judas Iscariot. Thomas was not there. You know, Jesus appeared to them later, and he went, he went right where they were. He disappeared to them. This is after the resurrection, and, and he went there for Thomas because Thomas is like, listen, you guys are crazy. Unless I could put my hand and put my fingers in the nail prints, if I could, unless I could thrust my fist into his side, I won't believe and then Jesus came in and said, hey, Thomas, put your fingers. Could you imagine? He's like, oh, wow. Put your hand, right? That probably got his attention. But Jesus was doing what he always does, just helping somebody. And what did, what did Thomas say? My Lord. That's when Thomas got saved, right? So anyway, Jesus now, this is the work of, of conversion. This is when they were born again. This is when the Holy Spirit came into them, okay? When the Holy Spirit, again, whenever you're reading the New Testament and you see into, it's talking about salvation, okay? So now let's go to Acts chapter 1 in verse 8. Acts chapter 1 in verse 8. You know, I remember, um, I remember going to a Bible study in Southern California on Mondays when I was really young, and this minister, uh, Chuck Smith, who's a great pastor who's now went home to be with the Lord, uh, at Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, you know, he was teaching verse by verse. He would literally do expository teaching, which I absolutely love because I, you know, I grew up in a Baptist church where we did a lot of that. I'm trying to figure out how to do that here. I do a little bit of it. Um, but he goes through, he'd take five years and goes through the Bible. And, you know, you'd have 1,500 young people at this Bible study. And it was amazing. After I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I went back through and studied the book of Acts, how it was like, oh, my gosh. It just goes so deep into all of these things. So we're going to touch, we're going to go through a lot of scriptures and acts as we go through this uh, study. We're going to look at all of them. You know, I, I believe the Holy Spirit, or I believe the Lord is really leading me to do a very thorough uh, series on, on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it says this. It says, but you shall receive power. Now, that word again is dunamis. That's the Greek word. That word means you shall receive miraculous power that has been loosed. You know, we get our word dynamite from this word, but a stick of dynamite is not dunamis. 
until it explodes. It says, but you shall receive miraculous power that is loosed or released. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Here we go, upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So I want to really spend a lot of today looking at this word upon, how it's used, okay? When the Holy Spirit comes upon an individual, this is the Holy Spirit's work in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Or you could say it this way, the Holy Spirit's work upon us, we call that the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And remember, and this is, again, we're going to really hit this home. We've been dealing with this a lot. The Holy Spirit baptism, remember, think of it this way, and we're going to explain this today. You know, I, I thought I kind of went through this and I was ready to go on and the Lord goes, no, we need to go deeper in this. So we're going to go deeper today. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is an inward strengthening and an outward empowerment. Okay? You're like, well, wait, I thought you said upon and now you're saying in. Yeah, this will all make sense. Okay? It's an inward strengthening. And we said this before, it's an inward strengthening that you, all of a sudden, you get a revelation knowledge in your heart that the one in you is greater than anything you'll ever face. And that builds such confidence in you that now you are willing to step into an outward empowerment. There's a lot of people in ministry that are trying to do this thing naturally, and it doesn't work, right? Does not work at all. Uh, you have to, in your life, and we're all called into full-time ministry, you know that, right? You might be disguised as something else because you work, you know, I'm, I'm an attorney. Uh, I work for this company. I have my own business. Yeah, that, that's great. You're disguised as that. That's where God has you. That work is to be a form of worship. You're there for a reason. Your fruit's probably all around you, but you are in full-time ministry. And you need the outward empowerment. There's really very little ministry until you have the outward empowerment. So you got to know what you've been given, right? This is why the enemy fights this teaching so much. When the Holy Spirit... When he comes upon you, there's an inward strengthening and an outward empowerment. And always, 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 the baptism of the Holy Spirit is always, can I, can I say that again? Always. Associated with power, always. And experience. We have to see... I got to tell you, in our circles, you know, we teach on this stuff. I don't even know what our circle is, but whatever, right? We just teach the word. We're Christians, and we, we focus on the Bible. But we're, many times, we're not seeing the baptism of the Holy Spirit correctly. This is all about an outward empowerment. This is all about you being clothed. With, we're going to see this. 
with the very literally kratos power of god and as you be being filled things happen your words the weight of your words change there's a supply all of you today as you came in here you have a supply of the spirit even those that have never received the baptism of the holy spirit because he's in you you bring that supply this is why i love the all-in thing because be all in with your church your church needs you the reason why god planted you here is because the gifts inside of you are necessary for the vision that he has for this work to go forward and and you know, in the corporate world, if you study vision, if you study all this stuff, you know, when I was a national sales manager, you know, you would study vision. Your personal vision always has to be connected to something bigger. Well, what God has specifically called you to do is connected to the bigger body of Christ in the earth. Specifically, it starts with your local church. That's how come you got to be a viable part of it, right? Because, because it's necessary. Because this is to be a, a, a place where we practice, we're equipped, we're encouraged, we're built up, we're ministered to, and it takes a lot of people to do that, right? So we, we need to have a place where everybody's involved and viably really walking in that, right? So this is very, very important. We got some music going on? That's awesome. I'm not going to dance, though, okay? Well, unless he spurs me to, but I, I really, that would be way out of my comfort zone. I'm going through a scripture today, and I'm like, Lord, please don't let me demonstrate this Greek word. And uh, so I'm really hoping he doesn't. <laughs> That's way out of my comfort zone. But I will if he wants me to, okay? And you could laugh at me. It's all right. Yes, <laughs> with me. There we go. So upon, again, always deals with the baptism in or of, however you want to say that, of the Holy Spirit. It always is associated with power and experience. So now let's jump over to Acts chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 7 and verse 8. Acts 4, verse 7 and 8. And I'm not going to read these whole passages. You can go back and read the context. Just for time's sake, I really want to zero in upon this upon thing. It says, and when they had set him in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? And then it says this, then Peter filled... This is the Greek word plato. Then Peter, instantly filled with the Spirit, with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, you rulers of the people and elders of Israel, and then he goes on. Filled. So now we're looking at this other word, filled. It literally, this one, plato, he was instantly filled. Now what's interesting, Peter... Now, now think about this. Wait a minute. He was already filled on the day of Pentecost. This is after the day of Pentecost, and now we see him being instantly filled again. Because this word that we're going to see upon and duo is the main one. It's progressive. 
The baptism of the Holy Spirit is progressive. It is a one-time event that is followed up by many, many, many refillings, and it's to grow. It grows in momentum. It grows in power. It grows in everything. You see this, these Greek words used in the ministry of Jesus, everything grew in him. You see when it talks about Abraham growing in faith. He was strong in faith. It's the Greek word enduo. It's amazing. It means something was growing, right? So that's why we have to see these Greek words. Then Peter filled with the Spirit, instantly filled. So he was filled after he was filled. So you're to always be filled. There's many fillings, right? Many, many fillings. You receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit once, and then after that there are to be many infillings afterwards. Now let's jump down to verse 31. It says, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled. Playtho, instantly filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Every time you see a filling, you see power and experience. Something outwards happening. Okay? So let's keep going with this. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. We have taken this scripture to excess many times. Because we have this massive baptism in the Holy Spirit and we limit it to thinking that it's all about just us coming and acting drunk when there's so much more, right? You know, sometimes when we lay hands on people and we pray for them, you see people fall, right? And all that is is, is when the natural meets the supernatural, something's going to give, and many times it'll always be the natural, so you see some people fall. Many times, though, when I pray for charismatic Christians, I put my hand on their back because some people come up and feel like they got to fall to get anything, right? So you got to hold them up long enough to pray for them. You know, I played a lot of basketball. Man, kneeling down and praying for the person after they're on the ground, it, I'd rather just hold them up, right? Reasons to do bicep curls because you just, right? But... We don't judge the power of God by how many fall or how many don't fall. Some of the greatest things, some of the greatest miracles, I didn't feel anything, person didn't feel anything. They didn't fall. They went back to their seat and they were never the same, right? I mean, we've had some incredible things happen that way. We don't judge the power of God by how many fall or don't fall. We judge the power of God by what happens in their life afterwards, right? So let's keep our eye on the ball with this. So Ephesians, now am I saying, I'm not, I'm, I'm saying don't limit this. But remember, this is not an experience that you have only. This is an experience that you use the baptism of the Holy Spirit, for some reason, 
because of the self-centeredness in so many New Testament believers right now in our generation, because we're so self-centered, we're so about us, we think this thing's all about us. Okay, I got to go and I, I want to move in this and move in that because I just feel so good and man, you know, this is awesome and, and, and it's, whoa, time out. That's great and he wants to do that. But the baptism is for others. This is so that you would be a witness, not so that you would feel good only. So let's keep our eye on the ball as we go through these things. You'll see this. It says in Ephesians 5.18, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled. This word filled, it's in, and, and like the other words, it's in the continual present tense in the Greek. It means be instantly and continually filled. We, some translations will, will have it this way, be being filled. Like it's a, it's a repeat, a constant thing. So in this scripture, though, it's giving us the picture that it's comparing someone who's drunk with wine in excess right? You know, having a little bit of wine is not going to get you drunk, but if you drank wine in excess, you would get what? You would become under the influence of alcohol. Many times your inhibitions leave, right? You're, in other words, many times you kind of forget about your own insecurities. Do you know when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? You'll forget about your own insecurities and you'll step into the outward empowerment that he, that he has for you in this moment. And it's usually, well, in almost every case, it's for others. It's so that you could be a witness. Okay? So let's, let's look at this. It's just comparing. Being filled with the Spirit, it's comparing it to being drunk in excess. Why is it doing this? When the Holy Spirit influence, or when he, when he comes upon you, he's now influencing you. In the same way, when you drink too much wine, it will start influencing you. That's, that's what this is saying, right? So now, let's really focus. We've talked about into a little bit. We've talked about upon. We've had a couple scriptures about filled. Now let's dive into this upon. Okay, you guys ready? Glad you came to church today. I'm glad you came. Be a lot quieter in here. You know, I, after, after the whole COVID thing, wow, I got really tired of preaching to that thing. It never smiled at me. Never, I, I mean, I'm like, stick your tongue out, throw something, you know? Just do something. We gotta have some movement in here. So I'm really glad you're here. And I am glad that there's so many people watching. That's, that's awesome. So now, let's look at this upon. Let's go to Luke chapter 24 in verse 29. Luke 24, verse 29. I get so excited about this. It says here, listen to that sound. That's a beautiful sound. The sound of Bible pages turning. That's cool. It sounds like hunger. It sounds like passion for the Lord. It says here, And behold, 
I send the promise of my Father unto you. So now Jesus is saying this, right? He says, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued. It's the Greek word enduo. It means to be clothed. It's a progressive word, which means this word, to be clothed, is something that is moving, that is growing in momentum constantly, that's gaining momentum all the time. <clears throat> so you're clothed, and then you're clothed, and it's growing, and it's growing in momentum. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued Actually, the Amplified Classic actually even says, until you be clothed. With power. Wow. You're clothed, and this Greek word power is dunamis. That's miraculous power that has been loosed. God wants to close you, clothe you with, with literally miraculous power from him that is released. Not that's laying dormant, that's released. So that when you walk in a room, there's a reason why people are drawn to you. There's a reason why you're able to yield all of your fruit in your season. Listen, guys, God wants to do a great job, a big move here in Omaha and the surrounding areas. He wants to rock the world starting here. And man, it's going to take a lot of churches. There's so many great pastors I'm just believing there's going to be so many great churches in this city, right? I believe we're a great church. We're not a big church yet, but I, I, well, just hide and watch. We're living at the end of the church age. I believe we'll be a great big church, right? There's some big churches that are not great yet, but hey, the verdict's out because the Holy Spirit can do it, right? Right? And he'll work. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a lot more than just speaking in tongues. We talk about the baptism like it's just tongues. Now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it, I mean, tongues is important, but we do people an injustice by just focusing on tongues. Right? If you have a shoe that you lace up, most likely it has a tongue, but that tongue is not the shoe. It's part of it. It's an important part, right? But literally, I want you to think about the baptism of the Holy Spirit as an outward adorning, adorning, an outward clothing, an outward empowerment. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he, I mean, I'm talking miraculous power that is released. That's how come the Bible says, listen, in the end of Mark, the Great Commission, those that believe on my name, they'll lay hands on the sick. They'll tread on serpents and scorpions. Why? Why? Because they're, they're stepping into that outward adornment, adornment, that outward clothing of power. So keep thinking of it this way. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10 and look at this scripture. I hope by the end of this study that you take enough notes and go back and listen to this and mark up your Bible so that when you're reading scripture, you're seeing all of this. Colossians 3.10, we're just going to, again, focus on these scriptures for time's sake. 
It says, and have put on the new man. This is the Greek word. That word put on is the Greek word enduo. It means to be clothed in the new man. We're, if you read the context, Paul is writing to the church at Colossians by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, you know, and put off the old man, that's your flesh, and put on, be clothed. He's talking about someone who has received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is what he's talking about. Try to put on that new man without having that outward adorning, outward empowering. You, you, at, at best, you're doing works. This is why we got to teach this because people, I hope by the end of this, if you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're like, wow, I don't want to go anywhere like today. I'm not stepping out of my house with no clothes on, right? I'm not stepping into the valley of the shadow of death with not without my armor, without being clothed in the very power of God, right? This is very important. And have put on the new man in duo, which is renewed, or you could say it this way, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Wow. It's an outward adorning and empowerment. Check this one out. Ephesians chapter 6 Verse 10, we're going to look closely at this later, but let's look at this verse right now. Ephesians chapter 6 in verse 10. So you have the Greek word enduo, and then you have a word that comes out of enduo. It's just like it. Um, it it's in the Greek language. They have many words that mean very similar things, and it comes out of the root. You're going to also see a Greek word enduamo. If I'm saying that correctly, probably not. It's very close to enduo. It literally means to empower, but it, it, enduomo literally means to increase in strength. So it's bringing out this increasing. Enduo is in the continual present tense, so it's increasing, but endunomo, it, it, it literally is, is increasing in strength. Look at Ephesians 6.10. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong. And dunamo, be strong, be empowered, increase in strength in the Lord and in the power of his might. We are never to be strong in ourselves. We're to be strong in him. Well, I've got news for you. It's going to be very hard for you to do Ephesians 6.10. In other words, you're not going to do Ephesians 6.10 without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's crazy. And that's never taught. Why? Well, that might, that might upset some people. Man, I'd much rather you get upset at me and then see the truth, because in heaven you'll come up and go, Pastor, thank you. Man, I needed that. That saved my life down there, right? Because Satan was trying to take me out, take my kids out. We need, how, how, how can we be strong in the Lord? You have to receive the baptism. Jesus says, don't leave Jerusalem. Be endued with power. You gotta be clothed. Here's another one, 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Again, it's using this word endunamo, to empower, to increase in strength. 
He says this to a young pastor, Timothy. He says, thou therefore, my son, talking to Timothy, be strong, be empowered, increase in strength in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. How are you going to be strong in grace? How are you going to increase? You are going to need the help of the Holy Spirit to do that. See, because we don't look at these Greek words, we think all this stuff is talking about something different. But the whole New Testament, all through the epistles, you got to have the power. Amen? You guys okay? The literal Greek of 2 Timothy 2.1. Here's, if you take all the Greek words, this is the Tony Finley commentary. Okay? Thou therefore, my son, lay hold of the steady current of God's power in the grace that is found in Christ. Lay hold of that steady current of God's power. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in his grace. So important. All these scriptures, have you noticed? They tell us one thing. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, what does it do? It changes you. We got a lot of people that are like, oh yeah, I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. No change on the outside. Why? Well, they're not be being filled. They had an event, but they're not submitted to the Lord. They're kind of out doing their own thing, right? You know, Pastor Tony, he taught on this, but man, I wish he would have taught, I wish he would have went further and went, did that. Danger. You're looking at what I'm supposed to be doing. You better pay attention to what you're doing. Amen. I'm your pastor. I can't focus on what you're doing. Right? I pray for you, and I do that, and then I roll all that off on the Lord because I, I'm up to here with me. Because if I'm not in overflow, I'm no good to you. Right? If I'm not clothed, if I'm not walking in this outward endowment, what I'm here to tell you, and this is, this is, I want you to, you know, check all this stuff out yourself, but when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, it changes you. And I'm telling you, God wants, he wants your spouse to see it. He wants your children and your grandchildren to see it, that man, when, when the Holy Ghost comes upon Papa, there is something different about him, right? Can't take any credit for it. It's not me, it's him. But they need to see it. My friends need to see it. My church family needs to see it, right? Everything about my ministry, people in the world need to see this. But you know who really is important that sees it? And it's showcased here in the life of Jesus, those demonic powers, demons, that satanic hierarchy, they need to see it, right? They need to know, hey, I'm a child of God. I have all the authority in the name of Jesus. You who are coming against me have no authority. You don't move me. I don't, I don't have a spirit of fear. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved only by what I believe that God said. He is my final authority, amen? Amen. So this is huge. You are outwardly adorned with something brand new. So first, 
when you receive this power, there's this inward strengthening. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he, when he comes upon you, it's like, wow, what in the world? And then second comes an outward empowerment. You start looking for ways you could minister, right? You'll get over all the reasons why you can't serve God. Because when, he, when, when you be being filled, I'm telling you, it changes you and you want to walk in the supernatural. And you don't try to conjure it up, right? Now when you're young, sometimes you do, do silly things. That's all right, the Holy Spirit will teach you. Look at Romans chapter 4, verse 20. I want you to see this word in the life of Abraham. Now it's different because he's Old Testament, but you can see some things, how God helped him. In, in Romans 4.20, it says that he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, in dunamu. It means Abraham, as he chose to believe God, he was strengthened in faith. This word means to empower and to increase in strength. It means that as he walked in this, he became stronger and he was strong in faith. How did he keep all that on, going on? Giving glory to God. Man, I'm telling you, you walk, you walk in the overflow of this baptism and you'll sing songs, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Worship will be a key part of your life, right? Abraham's, in other words, we see his faith grew. Check this one out. This is for us. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Actually, everything's for us. Philippians 4.13. Now this is interesting because we're seeing this word upon. Pastor, why are you saying an inward strengthening and an outward endowment? Have you noticed sometimes it, it translates this word upon as this outward empowerment? But now here... It's talking about increasing in strength and inward strengthening. In Philippians 4.13, check this one out. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Again, they're using the Greek word endunamu. I can do all things through Christ who empowers me and who causes his strength to increase in me. Wow. Literal, the literal Greek, you could read it this way. I can do all things through Christ who with each new day gives me a brand new infusion of power. Well, I don't believe in that baptism. Have, try to walk in this. You won't. This is how important this is. We've been quoting these scriptures and we're wondering why there's no power. Well, it's because he's the power source. This thing could all be summed up and saying, never say no to him. That's why Isaiah 119 just says, man, if you'll just be willing and obedient, you'll eat the best that the land has. 
You don't even know how. See, he's the God of the how. Remember we said this the other night? Oh, you, well, was that Wednesday night? I, I couldn't, I don't know, I exploded and said a bunch of stuff. <laughs> You're a believer. You're not the performer. Right? You're just, a, you're a believer. Your job is to believe, speak, he performs. How? Satan will talk to you all day. Well, how's that going to happen? This is your life, this is your situation, and it's never going to change. And you think it's going to change? Are you kidding me? How's that going to happen? There's no way. You better have an it is written in your mouth. But you need power. Because when you have, when you're outwardly adorned with the armor of God, guess what these demonic powers see. They don't see you. They see him. Go study Isaiah and Jeremiah. I, I mean, Isaiah is amazing where it talks about Satan. I'm going to ascend above the stars. I'm going to, you know, and then it says, and then God speaks, and he goes, you're going to be cast low. And he's cast to the earth. Jeremiah describes what happens to him when he hits the earth. He's no longer this glorious cherub. And it talks about him going around trying to find some robes to put on. And, and, he, and he has to put makeup on because it says he's reduced to ashes. And people are now saying to him, is that him? And he's trying to make himself look better. But man, I'm telling you, every demon, every fallen angel, they see what he was and they see what he is as a result of God casting him out. He doesn't look so big and bad, but he's a master deceiver, and he'll make you think that he's bigger than you, and he's not even close. We got to get this stuff right, but when you're clothed in the armor, when you're empowered, when, when you're, you stop trying to do it yourself, Christians trying to play church and act like people of faith and, and strong and everything, while behind the scenes they're addicted to things and their, their lives are messed up and, and all this stuff, and in the quietness of their own life, they know they're missing something. What is it? It's this outward endowment. It's this inward strengthening and outward empowering. It's for every one of us. It will literally change everything in your life. So we looked at this before. The Lord wants me to go back and look briefly at it again and go deeper about the temptation of Jesus. We're just going to look at a few scriptures. So go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, it says this, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. That's Matthew 4, 1. After he was baptized and the Holy Spirit came upon him, Right? It, the heavens opened to Jesus. He was, he was baptized in the River Jordan. The Holy Spirit descends as a dove. He, the Holy Spirit's not a dove. Are you kidding me? Wow. Right? But he descends as a dove upon Jesus. Jesus has the fullness. Right after that, immediately, the Holy Spirit goes, okay, I'm leading you to go into the wilderness. Right? Mark chapter 1 in verse 12 and 13. You don't have, I guess you don't have to turn there yet. Just, just, I'll just read it to you. But I want you to see some different verses that say kind of the same thing. Mark says it a little differently. Mark 
1, 12, and 13. And immediately, this is right after he was baptized, the Spirit, Mark says, drives him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beasts. That's not good. I mean, could you imagine? You wake up and something's looking at you. Wow, you better know your authority, right? See, this wasn't the wilderness like we think, like we think of a forest. We were in the wilderness in Israel. And we pull up to this mountain of just rocks. We're in the desert. And, you know, uh, I'm like, oh, great. What are we doing here? You know, this looks boring. And then our tour guide, we get out, you know, didn't even take the camera. We get out, and then he goes, see that valley down there? See how the, the mountain, the shadow over, over see? He goes, people would stay out of the shadows. And, and, and that's an area like this, or maybe even this area we were in, they said was very possible when David penned the 23rd Psalm. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I'm like, wow, I got to go get the camera. This is awesome, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, you're just, but Jesus would have been laying on rocks 40 days. See, this, is, this was a strong compulsion. Now, you've heard me say the, the Holy Spirit always leads you. The enemy drives you, but the enemy drives your flesh. What, I'm, what this word drive means, it was an inward strong compulsion. Why? Oh, you'll feel this as you're led by the Spirit of God sometimes. Because sometimes it, he has to lead you with a strong compulsion because he's leading you into something that your flesh doesn't want to go into. I, I don't think Jesus was like, you know, I think I'm just going to go... I mean, it's not like the Holy Spirit woke him up that morning and said, hey, you're going to get baptized, pack a bag, and, and you're going into the wilderness. No, no, it was after. As you're dressed, would you like to wear the same clothes for 40 days and 40 nights? I wouldn't want to be around you, right? Right? You wouldn't want to be around me, right? I wouldn't want to just go out there and lay with, you know, whatever's out in the desert, right? Serpents lions, you know, all this stuff, right? Bears, right? All this stuff. Why? No thanks. But sometimes the Holy Ghost will be moving you to a place you don't want to go, but, but he has a purpose, and it's never to hurt you. It's always to help you. In Luke 4, 1, it says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So in other words, Jesus receives what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon him, and immediately Jesus is thrown into a spiritual conflict. Think about that. I remember when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, man, my sophomore year, I was having such a great, just the season just started out, man, I'm hitting everything in basketball, I'm, I'm doing so well, and then I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's like nothing, like all the, it, it, now I know it was like all hell was breaking loose. 
Why? Right? That happens many times. But trust me, because sometimes you're going, you know, I think I'm going to leave that faith family church and go back to my own little church where I'm not taught anything because la, 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 I don't want it because this is not fun. I came and visited that church. My washer broke down. My car broke down. You know, my dog died. Well, I, I'm not, you know, prophesying over you or anything. But I'm here to tell you the enemy many times will come at you because he wants to rob what you just got. He doesn't ever want you to know, but God will allow you into this situation to show you. Jesus went into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit led him, strongly drove him into the wilderness so that for 40 days it was uncomfortable to his flesh so that he would see that the inward strength and the outward empowerment was greater than anything he would ever face. God wanted him to know that when he would start his ministry. And you see Jesus, he's not moved by anything. Because he's a lot different when he's coming down the mountain. Not one miracle growing up for 30 years, but after, after the Holy Ghost comes upon him, miraculous power. There's a reason for that. Right? The Holy Spirit did this to show Jesus that the inward strengthening he had received was greater and stronger than anything he would ever face. And many times, listen, don't, those of you who've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and have done nothing with it, and you start doing something with it, realize that that might stir up the enemy a little bit. Don't worry. Listen, he's, gonna, he's coming to steal, kill, and destroy anyway. You better learn how strong you are because everything, when he comes out one way, God will cause him to scatter seven ways. The Bible says in righteousness, you'll be established. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. You are more than a conqueror. What's Luke 10, 19? Jesus said, behold, I give you delegated authority. We know in the name of Jesus to do what? To tread upon, to have absolute mastery over scorpions and serpents, which is a type of the satanic hierarchy. And delegated authority in the name of Jesus to have absolute mastery over all of Satan's ability. And he says, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. God wants to bring you to a place where you're like, nothing's going to hurt me. Amen. Nobody's going to take my life. I'm not going to, you get diagnosed with something because he attacks your body. No, no, no. I am not going to die. I will live and I will declare the works of the Lord. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, right? Once you're confident of what you have on the inside, now you're in a position to use that power that you have been clothed with. See, most Christians, this was me for years, I'm trying to never be uncomfortable. And I'm telling you, you'll duck and weave and duck and weave, but he's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to lift your life up and show the world that Jesus is not real. Right? And I, I got to tell you, he's doing a pretty good job in America so far, but things are changing in a big way. This is, this is interesting. Once you're confident, now you'll walk in that power. 
You cannot walk in an outward empowerment without having the confidence in the inner strength. You've been given the very strength of God. That's amazing. That means you do everything with him. You don't do anything on your own. We're not created that way. We have the honor to live life in him, with him. Isn't that cool? Human beings trying to do everything on their own is like a fish trying to live out of water. We're not created that way. People that don't know Christ and they make up these silly things. Well, I'm, you know, I'm agnostic. Well, I'm, I'm atheist. Well, you're, you're just, you're, you're fooling yourself. Because listen, Mr. Atheist, you completely are serving your God. But unfortunately, it's small g, his name's Satan, and he's going to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? Everybody, everybody, nobody's living their own life, even though they think they are. Bondage after bondage. Hallelujah. When we, now here it is, when we realize that the inward strengthening that comes upon you and the outward empowerment of the Holy Spirit, is, when we realize that it's greater than anything that we'll ever face, now we are ready to step into ministry. You're not ready to step into ministry before that. See, God, see, and I'm so thankful for this one, it's not how you start this race. It's how you finish, right? So Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Under what we've said now, let's look at this. Luke 4, 18. Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61, 1. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. In the literal Greek, it would read like this. The spirit of the Lord has been poured upon me because he has anointed me this this greek word creo it literally means that that the rubbing of the hands with oil the spirit of the lord has been poured upon me why because he has anointed me see the oil is not the focus it's the hands When you walk in the anointing of God, it is the evidence that God's hands are on you. I sit there and go, but I'm just Tony. And you know, and if you and if you don't keep your eyes on the word, you'll start going, wait, I don't, I don't deserve this. And man, I've messed up. And no, 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 no. Stop getting your identity from your behavior and start getting your identity from who he says you are. He created you. He's the only one that has a right to identify who you are. Right? Because he's anointed me what? To be happy. Well, okay, the joy of the Lord's your strength. He wants you happy. But he anointed you to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent you to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to captives, to recover sight to blind people, and to set free them that are bruised. See, the issue is not the oil. The issue are the hands. The Holy Spirit is on me because God laid his hands on me and applied the Holy Ghost. God clothed me 
with the very Holy Ghost. That's, that's amazing. When you say a person is anointed, what you're saying is God's hands are on them. I mean, don't you love our worship team? The anointing. You know, Pastor Mark, that saxophone's an extension of his spirit. Jared, you know, his flute is an extension of his spirit. His vocal cords are an extension. Emily, Carissa, you know, I could go down the line. My wife, Fran, I mean, all these guys on the drums. Those drums are an extension of Samuel's spirit. There's an anointing. It's evidence that God is on them. So now look at this. Let's go to Luke chapter 4. We're kind of closing now. Boy, it's so hard to close this. Wow. Luke chapter 4, verse 30. It says, but passing through the midst of them, went his way, and now this is what I want you to see. He came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. That's the Greek word authority. His word was with authority. And in the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil. Now this is, it says the spirit of an unclean devil. That's a whole teaching in itself. But an unclean devil, most likely, this, this spirit was affecting this man in the, in the realm of sexual perversion. Okay? And cried loudly. It says, and cried out with a loud voice. So think about this. You know, Jesus, he, he's from Nazareth. He lived in Capernaum. He goes into the synagogue, a synagogue he's went in many, many times. But this time, he goes in. No doubt this man was there. You know, you look at these villages, I mean, these people, they're there. The culture there is a little different than here. Christians in America decide whether or not they go to church. But, you know, you just don't decide, you didn't decide that back then. You went to the synagogue, right? No doubt this man. Now, now think about Jesus. This is, this is telling a story. He comes down the mountain, goes in a synagogue, says some things. They get really upset at him. He leaves, and now he comes to Capernaum. I mean, he, he didn't look, he had the same clothes on. He might actually looked a little rough, right? I mean, maybe he took a shower. Hopefully he did, but we don't know. But anyway, we know he would have wore the same clothes. But this time, when he walked into the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil. And when the man saw Jesus, it said he cried out with a loud voice. Now, that's a little, oh man. This is the verse I really didn't want to show you the Greek. <laughs> so, so could you imagine your mind in your own business? You walk in the church full of the Spirit of God, and all of a sudden, somebody cries out with a loud voice. This is, this is what the Greek word looks like. I'll try. This is way out of my comfort zone. So Jesus walks in, ah, 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 over 
ran over. I mean, that'd mess up the meeting. <laughs> right? That's, that's the Greek word that is used there. This guy freaked out. Why? Because that demon inside of that man saw somebody different. Jesus looked different. He was adorned by the mighty Holy Ghost in the same way you and I are to be adorned. Look at, look at, and look at what this guy says. Saying, let us alone. So there was more than one. Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Are you come to destroy us? They're freaking out. They said this, I know you. You are the Holy One of God. The Greek language denotes that they had experienced Jesus before. When? They might have been there when he was thrown out. Satan was thrown out. They're like, they're freaked. See, guys, we run around as Christians asking God, oh God, please give me the power. Are you kidding me? We've already been given the power. We just have to learn how to yield to it. Right? Other passages, demons would just manifest in front of Jesus, and they would say this. Now our, we know you're the Holy One of God. Other ones say over and over again, you're the Son of the Most High God. See, Jesus looked different. Demons recognized his royal dignity. Could you imagine what Jesus looked like with the fullness of the Holy Ghost, the Messiah? Verse 35, and Jesus rebuked him saying, hold your peace, come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him. And then it says this, and he heard him not. Because those demons are like, okay, I'm coming out. I'm going to throw them a little bit, but I, I really, you know, I'm not going to hurt them. Right? Verse 36. And they were all amazed and spoke amongst themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power, authority and power, dunamis, with authority and miraculous power that has been released. He commanded the unclean spirits and they came out and the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. In other words, he was empowered to be a witness in the same way God wants you empowered to be a witness in your world. So real quick, can I do this real quick? Let's just go, let's read Ephesians 6.10 really quick. It says, finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Finally, my brethren, now to the most important thing I'm going to say to you, you got to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This verse, you should write in big letters, this is describing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We are to live victoriously in this present evil age, right? in spite of all the satanic oppression, through God's ability and power. To be strong, you're going to have to live in him. So important. This Ephesus church, 
I mean, they had the who's who there. Paul, Paul taught there. John retired there. Mary was there. Apollos taught there. Timothy. All, it was the who's who. It was like the Tulsa of, right, of, of the church. Crazy. But these people were so spiritually fat that they forgot how to fight. And they were under extreme persecution. Nero, man, he's burning people at, at, you know, at the stake and doing all this stuff. Paul is saying to the Ephesus church in, that in order to live in victory, you're going to have to know something about the armor of God. But I'm here to tell you to know something about the armor, you have got to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it's talking about it. Paul is writing to these people to show them how to turn knowledge of the word of God into victory. Our weakness is on, it's not an issue. How weak we are is not an issue if we're drawing from his power, right? So now verse, so then now in verses 11 through 18, we're not going to go through all of them. I'm going to read a little bit of 11. In verses 11 through 18, this is a text about spiritual warfare. Look at what it says that right at the beginning, Put on, it's the Greek word enduo, be endued with. This refers to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Be endued with the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Literally, you could read it this way in the Greek. Allow the whole armor of God to manifest upon you as you continually draw from his power. In other words, the Holy Spirit puts weapons in your hand as he comes upon you. Isn't that good news? You are equipped. There's an equipping. There's an inward strengthening that builds a confidence so that you can step into all these things. Guys, as your pastor, <clears throat> I would love to give you a really nice flowery sermon and say, you know what, it's all going to be okay. And, and don't worry about that. Forget the Holy Spirit thing. But just try to be a doer of the word. But I would be lying to you because you can't. All these scriptures are using Holy Spirit words. Words. 